Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast Emergency Edition. USC versus Utah. It's a Sunday morning, I guess now. It's uh, 12.30 a.m. on the West Coast. It is 1.30 a.m. here in the Mountain Time Zone. We are in Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, alongside Chris Trevino and Keely Yor. We are in our little Airbnb post-game. USC loses to Utah 41 to 28 lottery requests for an emergency podcast. So we're doing it since we're all happen to be staying in the same house. You know, it's 1 30 in the morning. What else are we going to do? Should we go to bed? Cause we've got early flight. Nah, no. let's do an emergency podcast. Well, Chris, Keely, how you guys doing? Good. I'm tired. It was a cold game that was cold for USC as well. <laughs> it's not good. No, I was not cold at all. I had my fancy 247 jacket on, but I am a little tired as well. The adrenaline's running running low a little bit from the from the game. Yeah, there was. Uh, it, I was up in the press box, so it wasn't as cold there. But like, I had my two four seven jacket on too. A little nippy out there, but you know it was a beautiful. It was like seventy degrees, like almost before kickoff and stuff. So it was pretty nice. Uh, the weather was great, and if the game looked familiar, those of you could watch it because it was on the Pac twelve network. <laughs> Maybe it reminded you of a trip down to Austin where USC took a 14 to 3 lead and then gave up 34 unanswered points and that's how the game ended. Not exactly the same, but USC in this game took a 14 to nothing lead, then gave up 40, 34 straight points until uh Matt Fick came in and saved the day after a block punt. Um and then uh Matt Fick found Tyler Petit on probably the best looking play they had. All day for a three-yard touchdown pass, and they traded scores at the end. But 41-28 is the, is the final. But giving up 34 straight points, usually you're not going to win a lot of games. This was the return of Texas, but worse. Like, <laughs> I think USC's offense at least had something going. I think that first drive with Stephen Carr scoring that touchdown was pretty impressive in Texas. And this, USC just couldn't get it going. I mean, no. Half of the, the points at, I think at halftime was, half of that was due to Jay Tufele and his, his fumble and, or his fumble recovery. Um, it's just, USC just could not get it going. JT Daniels looked off in the last like two games. I talked to Amon Ra, St. Brown after the game and I asked him like, you know, JT the best. Like, is it, is it something with the scheme? Is, is it something off with him? And he was like, I think JT's fine. He's doing what the coaches ask of him. So I don't know. This offense just could not get it going, uh, today. The moment that jumps out to me, what you were just talking about with the Texas is after Jay Tufele's scoop and score, you know, they're all celebrating the defensive line. And some Utah fan from the stands shouted, how was that 14-0 lead against Texas? <laughs> and wow. a, a lineman, I'm not going to say, was like, look at the scoreboard. And that's kind of the moment that sticks out to me. Wow. Looking at back, looking back at that, well... He was, he was right. That's well, even at, smart at, smack talk. That like, that's pre- a fan who did his research. Utah, okay, Utah fans are great. They're awesome on Twitter. Like, they are, they're a pretty, uh, a good fan base as far as following the team and everything. But this was, it was 14 nothing, but you didn't really feel good. I think USC at one point had two first downs. One came off a penalty. 
It was like a face mask penalty or something. And the other one was the first touchdown, which should have been a sack, and JT Daniels got away, which was pretty amazing. Then he kind of arm punted it down to like the goal line. It was not a good throw. There were two Utah defenders like calling for a fair catch on this. <laughs> and somehow Michael Pittman jumps up over the other two dudes, and they have a really good secondary. I mean, obviously, this defense is really good. And gets the ball and scores a touchdown. So what should have been a horrible play was the only good play that USC had, like for the first couple of quarters or whatever. So they scored a touchdown on that, and then a, like you mentioned, Jay Tefele on the uh, the scoop and score. I think it was um, John Houston ended up getting pressure. Hunter Eccles gets the sack and the forced fumble. Jay Tefele picks it up, forty eight or forty nine yards, and rumbles for a touchdown. So there, USC is up fourteen nothing. But it was like a crazy defensive play and a freak offensive play. It wasn't like they sustained drives. The craziest stat that I had was I was looking through the stat book on, online in the press box. USC's first seven drives, all seven, were three plays. Like seven drives in a row for three plays. So they had 21 plays. And I think at the time, Utah had like 40 or something. But seven straight drives, three plays. Now, five of them were three and outs. So that's bad, right? One of them was a three and a touchdown. That was the crazy pass up to Michael Pittman. The other one was three and interception. So obviously that's not good either. But that just, they never kept the ball. They couldn't sustain drives. We talked about it before. There was no sustained sustained drives in this game. To me, that was the biggest problem. I felt like I was watching a bad movie that I had already seen before. (laughs) I'm a fan of bad movies. But this one, I was like, I'm not... I already know what's going to happen. I already know things were going to break down because, like you said, it was a very, very ugly 14 and 14 nothing lead. And yeah. if I recall, Texas was a little bit better looking 14 yes. nothing lead. Yeah. Uh, this one was just, I don't know how they got that, that touchdown to go. Um, so I don't know. It was just, it wasn't pretty. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I knew coming into this game, USC would have to, USC's offense would have to put together sustainable drives, actually drive the ball down the field, not rely on their, pass interference offense or just <laughs> chucking the ball up to Michael Pittman, which turns out to be all that they did. But yes. you, you'd have to do that to come into Utah and win the game, and they just couldn't do that. I mean, talking to Dan Weber after the game, it almost seems like USC's regressing in that sense. Like, their offense yeah. hasn't been uh getting better throughout the season. If anything, it's getting worse. And then now you have the question about JT Daniels and a concussion. How bad is it? What does that look like going into this week? You know, it's just it's just – Bad offensive football out there. It is. We're going to talk about the defense in a second, but I want to give a few offensive stats. Just the the ridiculous stuff. Utah had 27 first downs. USC had 10. Uh, Utah, I think it was 336 more total yards uh, than USC, which is absolutely insane. I think where are the total yard numbers? It was... Do you guys have them there? Uh, Okay, 451 yards for Utah. 205 total yards for USC. That's the worst since 2016 against Alabama. And when you look at 132 passing yards between JT Daniels and Matt Fink, 107 of the 132 passing yards came on four passes to Michael Pittman. That was the whole passing offense, basically. USC's leading receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, no touches, zero catches. They targeted him a few times, but some absolutely insane numbers. Weird, weird numbers. USC only had two penalties. Like that was strange. <laughs> you, I thought they would get ten or something. They didn't. But it just 
they didn't shoot themselves in the foot, but they never could get anything going. So it was not like, I don't know, it was weird. Like they weren't, they weren't moving the ball, but they weren't like hurting themselves with holding calls and things like that. What did you make of, I know post game, Clay Helton and T. Martin said that uh, Utah had more cover two than they were expecting. Um, what do you make of that? It doesn't, it seems, it comes off as an excuse to me almost. Like you can't get it done even if they're in cover two. Like I just don't understand why they're throwing that out there so much. Yeah, I don't get your thoughts on this, Chris. But so what Keely's talking about, so when they're playing a cover two, there's two deep safeties. It's basically you're trying to take away more stuff in the passing game. Usually what we've seen teams do are stack the box and say, hey, freshman JT Daniels beat us. Utah took the opposite approach. And then, so they would have six men in the box a lot of the time, which you should have an advantage and be able to run the football. USC could not run the football. They averaged 2.4 yards per carry. And that's what's disturbing is like they played a defense that you should be able to run through and they couldn't run through it. It's a little more understandable. You couldn't pass. I mean, you should be able to, but they couldn't pass on it either. But something should have been there. They took something away, but they ended up taking both away. Well, I think to that point is we've all seen USC's run game and how bad it can be at times. I think Utah saw the same thing and they were like, "If you're going to have to beat us with the run game. And I don't think they were. They were confident that that wasn't going to happen with the guys they have had up front and just the way USC's offensive line has been playing in the run game. Because yeah. if you look at some of the data, USC's offensive line has been very good in pass blocking the last few weeks, but the run blocking has just been nowhere near as consistent or close to that. Yeah. No, it's true. And uh, it's a problem. And I know there's people calling for T. Martin's head and all this stuff. To me, the biggest problem, and we've talked about from – preseason is the offensive line Mm -hmm. and they just couldn't they couldn't put a hat on anybody i shook shotgun was tweeting that on half the running plays you see one or two offensive linemen looking backwards not blocking anybody and like if it's a run play you gotta fire off the ball just you put a hat on whoever's in front of you and knock them on their ass like that's what you gotta do and they're just not playing that way and i think usc just gets in this routine of here's what we do here's what we do and this is something where you have to just do something different. You have to go yeah. to practice and go, you know, Monday we're doing full pads and we're doing freaking goal line and we're just going to just knock the snot out of everybody. Like, just do that. And I think that would have a huge, you know, pay huge dividends. But that's not what this coaching staff does. I, I'm not sure. But they have to do something different. It's so bad. I don't understand why they're choosing to die on the hill of how they practice and how they do things during the week because obviously it's not working. They're regressing throughout the season. Like, it's not – it's like it, I don't want to put the loss on the defense at all, but if you look at the defense, they were missing tackles left and right. Like, they look like a team who doesn't fully tackle during yeah. the week, and that's what it looked like. And, like, USC sort of got away with that in this game, but going forward, it's just going to get worse, their tackling skills, if they're not actually – wrapping up and tackling i mean it looked like thud and like yeah utah's not going to stop running you know so yes things need to change and need to change drastically in practice will they actually do that i don't think so i wasn't surprised by all the missed tackles because we've seen that but i was a little confused because they tackled or i felt they tackled really well against colorado really well yeah and i don't know what the difference the difference was between these two was it the road were they just getting more tired because the offense wasn't helping them cool. I, I, I don't know the so colorado was really good at yards after contact and usc just dominated for the first three quarters utah proved that they were better at it and i think i to your point i do feel like i mean the first seven times the offense gets the ball 
they hold it for three plays. Like, that's not easy on a defense, yeah. you know? And you even had a lead for some of that stuff. And it's so, it's hard for me to blame. And people were tweeting about it, like, missed tackles, this, that. I'm like, and it was at the point, like, well, the defense still had half of USC's points. Yeah. And they were they did really well for a while. And then at the end, you know, I talked to Paulier now to Ote afterwards. He said the altitude certainly had, had an impact on them. And there was times, I think in the second quarter, there was like a long uh, touchdown drive that they had. It, that They were getting kind of tired and stuff. I mean, I get it. Uh, it you have to, the offense has to help out. Usually the special teams are awful. They did a good job today. Like, you, you know, I always bag on the special teams. I'll give them props today. I mean, they got a muff punt that the offense couldn't <laughs> score. Uh, they blocked the punt and then the offense did finally score. So, I mean, the, the special teams were fine. Like, you usually, Utah has the best special teams in the conference. Special teams more than held their own. They, they beat Utah on the special team side. They had a missed, uh, field goal, but whatever. Um, but, you know, and defensively, I felt that they fought hard for a long time, but just, I mean, you're just swimming upstream with that, with that offense. I, just going back to the defense or jumping on that, I, I can't imagine how demoralizing it must feel to, you know, put forth a good series on defense, silence the crowd on the road and just have your offense go out and do nothing. And you got to go right back out there <laughs> yeah. and do it again. Um, and the defense, they were doing the best they could. I was, uh, the two sides, the offense was very quiet throughout the game. The defense was trying to pump each other up. Yeah. The coaches were telling them, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, keep doing what you're doing. They were they were trying to keep up mentally, but you know, after a point, it just you can't fight through that when there's so much going wrong on offense. Yeah. Plus, this was a five side game for USC's defense. Yeah. Like normally, that's you're walking out with your head like held high, but it's it's so hard for USC's defense to come out after how many three and outs. Like they get to rest for a couple minutes, get get yeah. some, some coaching in, and, and then go back out there. Like that starts to wear on you. I know after the Colorado game, I think I asked Talano Hufunga, like, what? How does it help when the offense actually puts points on the board and it has a long drive? And he kind of like sighed, like as a relief, like it's so nice to have have a break. So I people who are blaming the defense on this, that's that's not where the blame should go. At no, all. I mean USC started off. 0 for 11 on third and fourth downs. Like they were 0 for 10 at one point. Um, the, the first, first, the first third down conversion didn't come until Matt Fink was in the game. That, that three yard pass to Tyler Petit, that counts as a third down conversion. So it was a touchdown. Um, which is crazy. They ended up finishing three of 14 on third down and one of two on fourth down. But you look at possession time by quarter. First quarter, they had a first 626. Second quarter, only 530, you know, so. Utah has it for nine minutes and 30 seconds. The, you know, they under six minutes in the third quarter, just over seven minutes in the fourth quarter. Like they just didn't hold the ball very long. So it's hard. It's hard for me to blame, uh, the defense in this one. The longest drive USC had in the first half was six plays. And that was when they missed the field goal at the end. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, yeah. It, it obviously, you know, these, you're talking about, you know, young men that are, 18 to 22 years old. It's, I, you know, you can't expect them to stay in that mentally. So I, I have a hard time. I mean, there's a lot of blame. People are throwing blame around. I'm not blaming. I mean, I like Clancy Pendergast's scheme. It doesn't always work, but there's, there's an aggressiveness to it. You saw that the defensive line was moving all the time and they got some good stops on like th- third and one, fourth. They got a fourth and one, get USC ball, the ball at midfield. You know, like there was some, some good plays by the defense. I think that set up USC's first touchdown was set up by the defense, you know, that, that miracle heave up to uh, Michael Pittman. So, I don't know. Are we giving them 14 points? 
the defense. I, I mean, you could you, they get an assist on that one, right? Like because they they stopped. You know, that was kind of a risky move by Kyle Whittingham early in the game. Yeah, midfield fourth and one. USC's defense the line was moving around. They didn't look like Jay Tafelli looked like he was like sideways, and somehow he still made the stop. That was really just an athletic play. So they. There were some really good plays by the defense. I, I like if you have a plan, you have a scheme, and you just kind of go after it. They were really aggressive. They forced a lot of negative plays. You know, it's like, it's not going to, everything's not going to work, but I think a lot of it did. Uh, but just nothing worked on offense. Like, you you don't know what the, the plan is on offense. And I know people are calling, like, fire T. Martin and stuff. And I I, th- I think it's it's bigger than that. I don't know, you know, I don't think he's all that involved in, how this offense was created. I don't like the, I mean, no, never came from anything that was like, there was never some guru that knew the spread offense that taught clay. I mean, this came from like what Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian like came up with and kind of, cause it was the hot offense and they were just like coming up with stuff. This is not, this is just like a hodgepodge kind of offense. I think that everything needs to be scrapped. I don't think, Oh, fire T Martin. That's going to solve the problem. I don't think that solves anything. I don't know what you guys think, but. So you're saying burn the house down at this point. I mean, I think it, I, it's it's rearranging the chairs, the deck chairs of the Titanic. Like you're not gonna like oh fire T Martin and oh Tim um, not Tim yeah uh, Drevno was yeah. the offensive coordinator at Michigan for a year. Um, I, I mean what's he gonna is he gonna install a new offense like before yeah. Arizona State? Like I just don't think I think there's changes need to be made now at this at this rate. I don't think changes are gonna happen during the season. They're you know it's gonna be like an after the season thing. But I think it'll be hard. People are like, I, it, there's a small window where I think Clay Hilton keeps his job and they force um, changes to happen. Like, I think that's a very small window. I think most likely is like he wins out and like wins the Pac 12 and like he's, he's fine, or like he loses another game or two and he's, he's just gone. There's no, there's no chance to like, your chance to like redo the staff was like last year. You yeah. didn't do it. Um, not as my thoughts. I don't know, but. There's a lot. Everyone calling for everybody's head on Twitter and everything. It seems like the the public perception has kind of shifted a little bit. I know, like the big lead uh, wrote that like Clay Hilton is time to get fired. Uh, Colin Cowherd tweeted that there's a job opening, and, yeah. and I know Brandon Troy said, like you said, T. Martin. Brandon Troy so said fire T. Martin. Yeah. It seems like it's just like it, the writing's kind of on the wall at this point, right? I think it'd be hard. Like outside of winning out. And that means beating a really good Notre Dame team. Um, even if you went out, it's no guarantee that you, you know, the USC would win the South. But if you went out and beat Notre Dame and you're nine and three, like I think, you know, I don't think they're going to make a big change. That might be a scenario where Lynn Swan or whatever comes up and says, okay, we need to, and, and maybe Clay Helton realizes it too. We got to fix some things because this team's nowhere near playoff contention. But I think you lose at least one more game. I, I mean, it's going to be tough. Like, you could lose to Notre Dame, and Utah loses to Oregon, and you you back into the you know the Pac-12 South title, and no one feels good about it. So yeah. maybe that's the scenario where he has to make some changes. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, this team could lose to anybody or or beat anybody. Yeah. Um. It's there's enough talent on this team they could win. Would UCLA loss be the nail in the coffin? Oh yeah, losing to UCLA <laughs> would be the yeah. They, they beat Arizona tonight by one, um, but they won. They won two games in a row now. They look, look better, but I think uh, – I didn't see what happened with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think, got 
hurt. He wasn't playing. Wilton Spate was playing in the game. So something happened there. But it's a muddled mess. I think. Um, so if you look at the Pac-12 South standings, so USC is three and two in conference, four and three overall. Colorado's two and two, five and two overall. Utah's three and two, five and two. Arizona's two and three in conference. So they have the most losses, tied for the most losses. They're three and five overall. UCLA only has two conference losses. They're two and two, but two and five overall. And then Arizona State, one and three in conference, three and four overall. So everyone in the in the whole division has two or three losses. So it's wide open. There's no control your own destiny anymore. And the problem is most of the fans are like, "What's well, it's a it's a pretty crappy division." Yeah. So it's it it's not like this huge prize. Like Clay Helton, when he talks about it, it's like winning the South is like oh like you know the the the, the ultimate goal. And fans are like, the South is terrible. Like, you should be able to win the South with your eyes closed. Yeah. And they're not wrong. It's true. I mean, it, here's a weird technical thing. Do you technically win the Pac-12 South? Do you just clinch it? Like, you can't. You don't win anything if you win the South. I think you're the Pac-12 South champions, right? I guess Do you get so. a banner at the, at Didn't the we Gaelic talk Center? about this last year? Did we? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a pet peeve, but... Yeah. I think that was a joke that Helton would get the team a banner. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, but to your point though, it's not any source of pride. I mean, if USC d- doesn't win the South at this point, I mean, there's a very likely scenario that USC doesn't win the South and then ends their season regular season getting blown out by Notre Dame. That, that's the that's your donezo then. Yeah, that's that's um, rough. So right now, Utah's the only team. I, I believe so. Looking at it, controls their own destiny. Uh, well, no, maybe some of the other teams do because if they can beat. Utah, but Arizona's already lost to Utah. But Utah's got the tiebreaker on USC. If they win out, um, who's the other two loss? Uh, UCLA, they have two losses. I don't think they control it. I know Colorado does not because they, they've lost to the two teams ahead of them. Um, I think, yeah, I think UCLA still wouldn't control their own destiny. I believe it's Utah, but anyway, USC doesn't control their own destiny, and it's the Pac 12 South, um, which. Not a people, not a lot of people have respect for, and we'll say in the North is getting to be a muddled mess too. Washington State just beat Oregon, um, but yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Do you want to? Do you want to do some questions? Sure. All right, we uh, we got some voicemails that came in. We wanted to play them uh, on the emergency podcast. <laughs> so here's the first one. Hey Ryan, this is Jay from Pomona. Uh, I know it's the fourth quarter of the game, but I think it's just pretty obvious that. Uh, Utah is just way more physical than us. And it's kind of sad. It's, it's really sad that how physical we're getting beat on our offensive line, defensive line. Um, I'm just not understanding what our offensive concepts are this game. I think it's ridiculous that we have less than 150 yards by this point of the game. And I just need some answers. Uh, is it time to say, hey, time to get rid of Clay? Is it time to get rid of T? Is it time to get rid of everybody? Thank you, guys. Um, I'm excited to see what Matt Fink does in the rest of this game. Fight on. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, Matt Fink didn't play too bad. He was 6-7. of seven. Um, I, It's weird. I said this before. Like, when he came in, what game did he come in? Was it UNLV that he came in? Uh, or was it the second was, home it game? It was one when JT was hurt for... Was it Washington State, State, maybe? or I don't remember. Whatever. He, he came... Stanford. There was... Stanford? 
No, it was at home, I think. No, there's a home game that he came in. He came in in Stanford when JT got hurt, correct? But then there was another game where the game was over and Fink came in. But I can't remember what else off my head. I can't remember which one. Well, anyway, when, when Fink came into the game, they ran the ball a lot. They were like, it looked like creative play calling. It looked like an offense that was trying to help the quarterback. I don't feel like JT Daniels gets that. I feel like he gets the Sam Darnold treatment like, hey, go be Superman and go win games. So... It was kind of not the, the the Tyler Petit touchdown pass, where it was like the kind of fake one way, and then you know, I mean, that was like the best looking play that they ran, you know, and like so I don't know if they save like good plays for Fink or what, but it, the offense looks better. It looked more well run when Fink's there. I don't think it's anything to do with Fink or Daniels. It just seems like the way they call it. It feels like this weird mindset where it's like, oh well, it's Matt Fink. We don't trust him. We have to put like the the bowling ball bumper rails up to make sure this goes well. But then it like it actually does. Like there seems to be some type of flow or like rhyme or reason. Whereas like like you said, it's the Sam Darnold. Like hey hey, two freshmen go make a play. You know yeah. I don't know. As someone who uses bumpers in the bowling alley, I, I resent that comment. I do too. Represent. But uh, Alice was very complimentary of Fink, and I I was kind of surprised by how well he did look. Kind of just to your point that. We don't really trust Matt Fink just as a perception and I guess from the USC staff as well. But he was complimentary of his poise and I thought he showed uh, great leadership on the side because after that touchdown, he came right down on the offensive side. He was giving everybody high fives, all the wide receivers, all the skill players, went over to the offensive line, got them going. So I thought he, he, he looked like he was ready for his moment. It just looked like he was coached and the, the offense was coached when he was there. <laughs> And it doesn't look like that with JT Daniels. And it's not JT Daniels' fault. It just looks like that's the coaches just expect him to go out and do stuff, be Superman. And oh, okay, we don't like we don't like Fink as a player, so we should coach him or so. I don't know. It's just really weird. Uh, all right, here's our uh, next voicemail from from Denny. Hey guys, this is Denny from Bakersfield. Uh, you know, there were a lot of concerns. The essentially zero offensive output until Matt Fink came in. Uh, a number of other things, but what I'm really concerned about, among other things, is what's up with this Velas Jones thought. He ran five plays or so from a wildcat, a, a runaround for about a negative 20 yards. I mean, we're we're trying to get creative, and we can't even do the basics. Uh, any comments would be great. Thanks. Yeah, there was like a um, a jet sweep. Like when USC is in the red zone, that's, is that the, I think that's a drive they didn't score, right? Like they're trying. That. Yeah, I think it's, they came out of a timeout and ran that, which is just weird. Yeah, he had three rushes for a net of five yard loss, uh, a long run of zero. So, like, <laughs> um, yeah, minus one point seven yards per carry. No, it, th- that doesn't work, and they love doing that, and they love doing that in the most critical situations. I, I don't get it. It's like. T like lost a bet where he has to do like <laughs> at least three of those Bayless Jones handoff jet sweep plays a game or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. And and if you if you're asking because you don't get to see practice and we do, does it work in practice? No, it does not. Does it work against the scout team in practice? Not really. No. Like I mean, they don't tackle them or anything. But <laughs> it's good. Doesn't really. It just much. doesn't. It it never looks good. Like USC running sideways is no bueno. And they do that. They were doing that with the tight ends. Um, yeah, not you know tight ends again. Like really didn't do much in this game. There wasn't really a lot of run blocking. So they scored a touchdown. But the That's Tyler more than did normal. get a touchdown. He had one catch, three yards, and a touchdown. It's literally the first score for a tight end this year. 
It is the really? first score. Wow, I didn't even notice that. You didn't that. even notice that? Uh, it's a blur. <laughs> Holy cow. Like, no, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's not good. They would always have the tight ends, like, when they were throwing to them, they would be throwing those, like, little, like, two-yard hitches running sideways. Like, Tyler Petit running towards the sideline. Like, no. If you throw it to him, like, 15 yards downfield, like, a soft part of a zone, like, yeah, you get a nice play out of it. But you expect them to, like, run and, you know, catch the ball, re- change directions and go make somebody miss. It's like, that's just... That's not really their game. So I, I would have never guessed a tight end was going to score uh, a, t- uh, a touchdown in this game because in the first half, every it seemed like every time the offense would come off the field, Petit would be talking to a coach and he looked very confused or looked like he was trying to like clarify something that he was supposed to do or they were trying to clear up something that they didn't know what was going on or he was talking to JT about something. It always looked like they were always out of sync. So I would never have guessed watching those interactions in the first half that he would have his first, first touchdown of a senior year. I just, I to go back to this play calling, like I just feel like they're <laughs> sorry. I'm just here thinking about this. Like I feel like there's like a lack of reality or like self-awareness. Like it just seems like they're not, aware like it seems like we know more than they do which i know is not true like they get paid to do this so why is there this disconnect that it just doesn't seem that they're at least fixing things or trying to yeah is it like stubbornness is it just not be i don't know like sometimes you can get in this little bubble and you don't realize what's going on and and we're looking at it from the outside and you can see it it's pretty clear and like we can see things that would we know things that would make positive changes you know like just doing something different in practice and they're in a, some sort of bubble where that's just not even part of the the thought process. But play calling and all this stuff, football comes down to blocking and tackling so much, you know. And they're not blocking. Like, they are not blocked. They're not yeah. very physical at the point of attack. When you're facing a six-man front, they're, they're backing off and dropping guys into coverage, and you can't run on that. That's a problem. And it wasn't like we've seen USC shoot themselves in the foot on offense like oh good run good run it's third and one holding and it's now it's three and no they weren't getting penalties in this they had a it was weird the first play of the game was, <laughs> yeah. a, was a false start and that should I, have been the, the sign right my there. prediction was like they were gonna get 10 penalties i'm like oh i'm not, like they haven't even, a second hasn't ticked off the clock yet and they already got one like, i've been psyched i was like yeah this is, this is you know i'm not written for penalties but i was like i thought they would have it but but they didn't get those penalties it just simply was they couldn't get 10 yards in three tries. They just couldn't do it. They kept trying. And, and, and uh, to me, a lot of it was just they couldn't block anybody. So JTD, I don't sack twice. It's fine. But they they tried to run the ball. Uh, they tried to, you know, it just, it wasn't working. And I don't know. It's To me, blocking and tackling is the bigger the bigger issue. I mean, tackling, whatever, on the defensive side. But you got to block somebody. The offensive line has just been horrid. At this point, I don't, I don't know why you don't try... Hey, maybe putting Elijah Vera Tucker in a little bit. Maybe scooting things around a little bit. I mean, it's almost maybe good that USC lost because then you can't... I feel like sometimes USC is able to squeak things out and kind of cover over their mistakes and kind of continue the stubbornness. But, like, a loss like this and you're having, like, Utah fans saying, like, hey, hey, goodbye, like, kind of getting, like, embarrassed Uh. a little bit. Like, my singing debut on the podcast. But, like... Yes. (laughs) Getting embarrassed at Utah when, like, clearly, I mean, Stephen Carr was like, we're better than them. We're more talented than them. But 
and yet you lost. Like maybe something like this will force them to make changes, but at the same time, knowing this coaching staff, I don't think that will actually happen. We uh, we got a text message from Trent. He said, "Hey, podcast crew, I'm painfully watching the offense against Utah. When Clay Hilton says establish the run, I've come to realize it means run the ball. Even if you get negative yards, it doesn't matter. This team has top talent, all caps, and no coaching. It's time to hire Clay. I think he means fire. It's time <laughs> to hire Clay Hilton, T. Martin, and John Baxter. John Baxter, special teams were actually good today. Like." I always criticize Baxter, but I'm not going to do it today. If SC had a coach like Kyle Whittingham, the outcome would be reversed. What are the chances Lynn Swan makes changes? I think we kind of talked about this a little bit, but yeah, it's uh, that's the kind of frustration a lot of the fans are uh, feeling. But I, they just want to call for everybody's head. And Lynn Swan was there today. He was there watching. So yeah. We saw he was in a really weird outfit. Did you see that outfit? He always surprises with his outfits. It was like a interesting vest. Yeah, it was like a vest with like cardinal gold, but like argyle. It looked like leopard print or something. I don't know. And then he had like a peacoat trench coat, very stylish. Yeah. Really, like wow. he's about to go on a runway. <laughs> we got another text. Obviously, Helton and T. Martin are not the right people for their jobs. Am I the only one who thinks J.T. Daniels isn't the right person for his job? Thanks. Very frustrated fan from Texas. Are you guys? Where are you guys? I mean, I'm. I, I don't have an issue with JT Daniels being a young kid that they. It's not like a someone they bring out there and he gets to throw like checkdowns and stuff. He's throwing the ball down the field and just do, doing everything you could possibly do as like you were a senior quarterback. So I, I'm not putting a lot of the blame. I mean, he might not. I don't know. Maybe he's not as good as we think. But I don't think we could tell from the way he's being utilized. I mean, he's still a true freshman. Drink. <laughs> he's still uh, a freshman in an in an offense that we were just been talking about how what uh, disorganized and how there's no identity. So how could you blame him for yeah. looking that bad? Um, again, it's it's not like I think he's as as real a deal as they say he was in high school. I, I watched him a bunch. That guy has some of the best talent I've seen out of a quarterback um, covering high school football. So I think it's all there. Um, but it's like his, his his arms being tied behind his back right now. He, yeah. he can't put it all together, um, what he was doing, you know, when he was at modern day. I don't have a problem with JT. I have a problem with the coaches using JT as an excuse. I mean, we heard yes. from T. Martin. He was like, he's a true freshman. Like, it's a learning process. But it's like, you didn't, you chose him. Like, you knew this was coming with the territory. Like, I just don't. I don't like them using him as an excuse, and I don't like them kind of throwing him out there and expecting him to do Sam Darnold things. Yeah, you know, like I don't think that's fair. And and th- for them for them to do that and then rely on, well, he's a freshman. Like, give us a little bit of time. It's just I don't think that's a fair thing. But there's other freshman quarterbacks out there performing. <laughs> yeah, at a much higher level. So you, you can use that excuse like over and over. But there's ex- other places that are doing the same thing and right. winning with the two freshmen. And you have other quarterbacks on your team. If he's not good enough, then yeah. you, one of those guys should be able to do the job. It's like if you have a Michelin star chef, you know, rated chef, and you put him in like a Chili's kitchen, like maybe he does well, but maybe he does You know, like I'm not saying, but it's like I'm not going to blame the chef if he's like, well, those nachos aren't as good as they would be if I was at, you know, French Laundry in Napa Valley or something. So it's like, yeah, I mean – Maybe he's not as good. I I think he's good. I agree with Chris. I think he's really good, but it's really hard to tell 
uh, in this this hodgepodge gumbo kind of offense. So I really like that analogy. Did you like it? I just like the idea of a Michelin star chef cooking (laughs) in a microwave. Yes, (laughs) you know if you ever watch like Top Chef and stuff, and they make them like, all right, you have to use all boxed products, or you have to like when they have to cook outside, they have to make their own fire and stuff, and the the heat's not you know uniform like that. You know, it's like puts them under duress. He's he's done pretty well under duress, and there's been some other time. I mean, today was a pretty much a stinker for everybody, so it's hard. And to, he got hurt. Yeah, and he was uh, he got dinged up a little bit. Uh, we have one last voicemail, and we'll probably wrap it up. I'll play this one. This is Richard from uh, Palm Springs. Well, boys, give me something that uh, I can say I can improve on outside of think maybe coming in. The same tired, uninspired offense I've been watching for the last two years. Little or no discipline. No, no, <coughs> excuse me, no enthusiasm, no desire. The defense is out there way too long. And Helton clearly, again, was outcoached, doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know. Uh, very, very frustrated. What do you guys think? Uh, is Helton close to losing his job? I'm looking like that. And again, where the heck is Lynn Swan? Doesn't say anything. Enjoy your program very much, and be curious to hear what Coach Hyde or Dan Weber has to say. I'm tired of hearing about five-star recruits. Let's get on with it, and let's play some football, please. Thanks a lot. Bye. Well, we are neither Dan or Harvey. <laughs> no, and we're not all guys because we have Keely here. It's okay. And I... Richard didn't look like he was going to survive the whole call there. He was coughing in the middle. <laughs> USC football does that to some people. <laughs> It's bad. <laughs> I mean, we kind of already covered this. I <laughs> yeah. mean, like, that's the thing. Is like, I was asking Dan on instant, like, it seems like this fan base, it's kind of just like, what do you do? Like, what do you do in this? Like, this team is, like, sort of okay, sort of good, but, you know, in the long run, it's not a winning recipe. Like, it's just, it, I, I feel apathy from fans, and I think that's a really weird place for USC fans to be in because it's it's usually the like super angry which they are or they're in love with this team but I feel like it's kind of a mixed bag yeah there's indifference is the way I would yeah. describe it yeah, and it's good. when we put our war room uh thread up Keely put it up on Friday war room has been our biggest feature for 15 years or whatever where it's you know our insider information we put out uh every Friday morning and People don't care about hearing about a recruit. They don't care about it or they don't care about ugh, just another bad thing that's going to happen. It's just this, this indifference and they don't feel like this is the team they want to embrace. And they, they feel like something has to change. And I, I can't disagree with them, you know, and Clay Hilton is one of the nicest humans on the planet yeah. and, uh, has always been accommodating and someone that anyone could root for. If any of us had, kids and you know we're going to play football you'd want him to play for a guy like clay you know it's that that's just the kind of the guy he is but i i feel like he's being you know stubborn to a fault where he's not going to change the way he does things there's a you know he had a plan that they're going to practice this next week according to the plan they set up in august like nothing's going to change that and obviously you could argue that things should change and i think that's not a sign of weakness, but things got to change week to week. You know, you got to look at things and, and say, Hey, we could do this differently. We can do that differently. I just don't feel they're going to do that. And they had results before, you know, Clay Hilton's first two years, 
you know, you start off one and three. He didn't, he didn't uh, sway away from the course and then won nine straight and, you know, and won the Rose Bowl. So that was encouraging for him to say like, Hey, you know what? Just stick with the plan no matter what happens. But you know, you had, there was like, obviously, I mean, there's, you had Sam Darnold that helped. Um, and then last year too, you know, whatever the, you know, losing to Notre Dame, but you win the Pac 12, you know, this year where well, you're not going to have that, you know, maybe they back into the Pac 12 championship, but you don't have the results to rely on. But then I think by the time you feel like sticking to the plan got you to the point where now we didn't win, now it's too late. You know, and so yeah. I think at some point you have to realize, like, hey, stick of the plan is great for a little while, but maybe we need to do something different. And I, I think they've passed that point now. Like now, there's no, there's no point of firing T. Martin today. I don't think. You know, there's no point of if you want to John you know, Richard John Baxter, whoever, you know, whoever the one that was saying that. Like, I think it's too late for that stuff now. Yeah, I mean, like, how how many adjustments can you make mid season? You're kind of you're on this ship, whether it's going down or yeah. not. You know. As far as like staff changes, but they could do stuff that's different. They could tackle and practice. They could put on pads an extra day. I, mean, I think that's something that at least, you know, you're talking about young men that are, you know, 21 years old. That ch- you change your practice schedule. You change. Yeah. They've the, done the same thing for months. Like they literally Years. the same thing. And yeah, go. it's and. I don't care how exciting that thing is. It's going to be boring after a while. And I think you don't, you don't get their attention. If you said full pads practice on Monday, not a walkthrough, not a like, and we're doing goal line and hitting the snot out of each other, you're getting everybody's attention and they're going to go into the Arizona State game with a much different mindset. And I don't think that's something that hard. You're not firing anyone. You're just doing something that you do a little different. That's what I don't understand. I do not understand why they can't do this. I mean, is it just pride? Is it because we've been saying it? And if they do that, it seems like we're right. Like, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But at the same time, like, a lot of the questions we get on the Peristyle and just in our Twitter mentions is, like, has Clay Helton lost his players? Like, do you think if Clay Helton comes out and is like, ah, oh, rah, rah, we're doing goal line, are people going to be like, okay, Clay, but, like, come on. We're doing our normal schedule. You know, like, do you think people will buy it if you do that? That's interesting point. I don't know what you think, Chris, but I... I don't think he's lost the players. Like I think the players still. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think so either. It yeah, was just I think the players still there. like. I think they would respect them. I think. And who was it? Uh, someone. W- it felt like they were talking about they wanted to get coached. It was like I can't remember who it was. Uh, I know Akasidric Ware or no Tyler Ron said we need we need some fire. Yeah, I think Akasidric Ware was. I mean, it was like a cry for help from like a a kid <laughs> whose parents aren't around a lot and they just need discipline. They're like. Hey, someone punish me, you know? Yeah. I think if they came out like, all right, everyone's running gassers or whatever it is, something different. Don't do the exact same thing every day, every week, week after week, day after day. What's that saying? Doing the same thing over and over expecting. The definition of insanity (laughs) is doing the same thing over and over expecting different results. That's Uh, that's what I feel like we're at. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, should we not even do an emergency podcast? Should we just scrap this? <laughs> <laughs> People were like, why? It's going to be the same thing. Like, there's nothing new until someone's fired. Like, don't do an emergency podcast, which That's, is crazy. There's a lot of indifference, but I, a lot of people still love the emergency podcast. Okay. They know it's serious. Like, they're just yeah. like, oh, you're doing an emergency podcast. It's 2 in the morning, and you're, like, recording a podcast in an Airbnb. Keely's dabbing right now. <laughs> um, yeah. That's... Uh, so, they, yeah, when I'm doing one at an airport, like, those are usually pretty popular. People love them. Yeah, well, that's usually because things have hit the fans. 
Yeah, and I mean, do you, do you, we'll have to wrap this up. Chris, do you think things have hit the fan? I think so. This is like a weird, because I, I don't know why, but I keep going back to that, uh, the Washington win two okay. years ago. I don't know why, but this just feels like the exact opposite of that moment. I remember how excited everyone was, how yeah. like fired up and just how was a crazy win. people were. And now we're here, blowout loss to Utah in a crappy Pac-12 South. I, th- I think we're at that point. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, crap's hit the fan, but it's not like thrown at the fan and just splattered everywhere. It was just kind of this slowly oozing down the wall oh, towards the no. fan. It was just this like slow death march, you know, as opposed to like this epiphany moment of like, Oh my God, everything sucks. It's just, it's been the same thing. It's been freaking yeah. Groundhog's Day, uh, to have a 30, like, a 14 to 3 lead and a 14 and 0 lead followed by 34 straight points twice in the same in seven games or whatever like that's ridiculous like how is that even that's a that's impossible as uh, Ralph from the Simpsons like to say <laughs> I feel like in the first couple of years you could Clay Helton could kind of get away with some errors or not not changing things or fixing things because it's you know you put Clay Helton in this position where he's a first-time head coach and he has to learn on the job. So I feel like there's a little bit more leeway. But this year just feels so stubborn and not changing or not growing. I mean, like, I feel like USC comes across teams that you're like, okay, this team is getting its act together. Like, they're coming across it. But, like, I just feel like USC's at the point where it's embarrassing. Like, they're too talented to be having these performances. And USC as a program is not embarrassing. Like, this is not their MO. And I think when you get into that territory, like – that's that's not good for Clay Helton going forward. No, alumni aren't happy. They're embarrassed. I mean, they're embarrassed by what they see. And when you talk about championships, you talk about playoffs, this isn't like a missed kick here or a, uh, a untimely fumble there. This is getting blown out by people, getting blown out by Utah. You know, like, yeah. it's still Utah. They're Utah. They're Utes. You know, they're good. But that, look at <laughs> Kyle Whittingham. What does he do? The offense was pretty terrible to start the season. They have really good defense, really good special teams, and they got better. Like, you expect teams to kind of grow and get better throughout the season, and USC doesn't do that. They don't yeah. get better. So, um, I mean, that's a problem. And I, I don't know. it. The way they practice, it seems like they could get better during fall camp, and then it's, like, plateaued, and it's, like, game days are where you're like that's the only time you're like in full pads hitting and tackling like that's when you're learning like on game days and that's not you need to be learning during the week it's just like week to week it's just like these are the things you have to do between games it's not like here's what we're going to do to get better this week you know yeah i know we've said this like over and over again but the whole p carroll thing like p carroll's players would say that practices were harder than games like that's how it should be, you yeah. know? Like, you shouldn't be learning during the game or having your first full pad tackling experience of the week <laughs> at a game, you know? Like, I just don't, I don't understand it. Yeah. Well, this is, we know, we can feel your pain. You could probably, it's not just our pain that it's 2.17 in the morning. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we love to do these things, you know. I don't know, Chris. Chris, by the way, very bravo. You know, good job. I thought you were, you know. Is this his debut on the Parasol podcast, Chris Shavino? No. no, he's been on before. Oh, sorry, Chris. 
But this is how you know it's a real emergency podcast when I'm on. No. And, you know, very, you know, you're kind of more of a quiet guy. This aren't your favorite things. And you you brought it. I love it, you know. He's quiet until you get to know him. And then yeah. he's all over the place. I don't like where this podcast <laughs> Sorry. Is we'll wrap it up. Let's, Let's talk up. about your girlfriend. No. <laughs> Let's get personal with Chris Savino. Um all right. Well, I think we'll probably have to wrap it up because it's going to take a while to edit everything. I'm not going to audio czar it like our buddy Michael over at the it's the Rots. Hey, they're doing theirs. I don't know where they're doing theirs, but you know, if you guys have any more questions, call the the, the rant line over there and let's bitch at them and not us. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love those guys. We talked to them. We said bye to them on the the way out of the press box. By the way, nice halftime. Little snacks. They had homemade cupcakes and cookies. Probably didn't like those. They were icing the like I saw them like icing them in the bag. I'm like, you guys made those? Like, yeah, it was pretty good. Utah, they, they did a nice job, you know. Nice job. They did. Right. Food was all right. What do you think about? They don't have like a soda machine. They just like give you cups. They have like pre, yeah, fit, like sodas, like pre-made sodas. Yeah, whatever, I guess it's pre-made. Doesn't seem efficient. It was kind of strange, yeah. But they had diet Dr Pepper, which I love to get. So. Oh wow. Yeah, so I had probably like three of those, which I didn't really need. Nice. And two cookies and a, and a cupcake. The press box life is a nice life. You answered your question. You could get another soda. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you could. No, no, there wasn't like a limited to one soda. Oh. No, they just had piles of them. You just go grab <laughs> them. You could get one meal. They, they'd stamp your thing to I get one you. meal. But yeah, you could get as many sodas as you, you wanted. So I did that. <laughs> just kind of swap my straw to the next one and... Nice. But yeah, yeah, it would be a little more efficient to just like fill it up because then you went through like three cups. Like I reused my straw, but there's no way to reuse the uh, cups because they had to give you a new one. Congrats if you're still listening to this part <laughs> yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> this is it's really it's early in the morning and we're we're actually flying out, you know, in a few hours. Yeah, so. this is gonna hurt. Um, all right, well that's Keely, you're Chris Trevino. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in this edition of the Parasol Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Actually, I'll talk to you a little later today because I got to do a podcast with. Harvey Hyde. And then Tunnel Vision. Yeah, Tunnel Vision tonight 7 at 7 p.m. Tonight, which is sounds weird. Gross. Two th- something in the morning. But yeah, listen to all those things. So we got a lot more content. We have tons of content up on the site already on USAFootball.com. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by USCfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.